Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Coming up next on the Liverbird Sailing Podcast. And then freedom, you know, we, yeah. we were feeling the tensions of politics and societal expectations of like owning a home, which of course every article right now is about how hard it is to do that. And so those things are still circling us and part of our lives, but uh, the boat is a floating home, if you do it right, that allows you to go anywhere and um, really give ourselves a chance to disconnect and, and connect into a new world. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Annika. On the Liveaboard Sailing Podcast, I chat with awesome people who live, work, and travel on their sailboats. My guests share inspiring stories and real-life advice about the lifestyle so that you and I can be better prepared for our sailing adventures. This week, I'm happy to showcase yet another approach to the liveaboard life. This time, it's about being a full-time nomadic sailor without owning a boat. I talk with Sarah Fingerson and Andrew Hosford, who talk about the importance of testing the waters and learning about the lifestyle before jumping in. They share their approach and how and why they have taken this route, and it's a really interesting story. Sarah and Andrew also share what they've learned so far, and what they will do differently now when shopping for their own boat. And here we go with Sarah and Andrew. I was particularly interested in chatting with you because you are full-time nomadic sailors, but you don't own a sailboat yet. And I think that's a good place to start the conversation. So what is your sailing situation at the moment? So we have... Three situations yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Three situations. So one is we own a small sailboat, a 25-foot racer. It's an Olsen 25 in Tacoma, Washington. She's more just 10 minutes from Andrew's parents. And uh, we learned to sail on her. We actually bought the boat off Craigslist for $8,000 mm-hmm. during the pandemic and learned the foundational idiosyncrasies uh, of sailing through uh, that little boat and uh, she's been wonderful. And then the second is we've been crewing on a friend's boat. We just sailed from Anacortes, Washington, uh, down the Pacific coast to Catalina, California with our good friend, Jared, who owns a 45 foot Hansa. That was quite an experience in itself, our first blue water cruise. And then our third situation is we are in the midst of deeply researching and hopefully potentially buying our own liveaboard cruiser. So that is an interesting sailing situation or three like you described. And I love that you have 
an interesting take on this that you have you're kind of approaching this from from many angles so how long have you been now or you were sailing with your friend's boat how long were you doing that for we were we did a month so um from really from seattle uh down to catalina it was a month with a few longer stops in monterey and uh and and catalina once we got there to recover um but yeah that was a month and and then all the weeks leading up to it helping him prepare he um you know it's a newer boat and he needed to buy all the safety gear and we had to help him run around seattle and get life rafts and e-perbs and all those things so we learned a ton uh helping him prepare and then from Anacortes to San Francisco, we had an experienced captain on board who we hired out of um, the Seattle area, Richard Bard. Uh, he's an amazing guy who helps deliver boats up here. And um, he uh, did eight days with us to San Francisco. And then we recovered for a few days in Berkeley and the three of us took it the rest of the way to Catalina Island. Oh, that's such a good, a good approach. I love hearing that. I've talked to a few people recently who have done the either Vancouver or Seattle area down to California. And many people have said that it, it is quite the trip yes. uh, sailing-wise. So how was it for you? How, how was the weather and, and all that? Uh, the weather was beautiful. We had, um, you know, we had a full moon at the beginning of our trip. So the nights weren't so bad. The nights were beautiful. We had the moon as our guide, and it wasn't as pitch black as I was envisioning it to be. But, uh, you know, turning the corner of Mia Bay out into the Pacific is quite an experience. Mm-hmm. You don't see anything around you at all. The waves slowly become bigger. So you have these gentle giants. We were uh, downwind sailing. So we had uh, we were at a really nice broad reach, the wind at our backs. So it felt like we were surfing on a longboard the whole way down. And that was very pleasant. And um you know, it was cold. It was cold at night. And this was our first experience sleeping and sailing overnight. So there were a bit of nerves. The first yeah. night I was anxious. First night we actually thought about, <laughs> are we actually going to do this? Because in the Strait of Juan de Fuca, notoriously the winds build and the waves build. And we got hit with some weather that we didn't expect. And so we had to pull into Port Angeles for the night and rethink our overnight out into the Pacific. So we, we had some... Um, we had some wild experiences. We, we probably sailed half the time, motored half the time. Um, but we did with our planning and a lot of people who plan the trip know that early fall is kind of the best time to find weather windows with the wind at your back, uh, to come down and not run into too many storms. So we thought we had a good window. We went for it and getting to San Francisco was a couple hairy spots, but, um, we stayed closer to the land, uh, per Richard's advice than we thought we were going to. And we ended up uh, staying in Newport, Oregon for a night and uh, Eureka, California. We stopped for a day and and recovered a little bit. So it ended up being kind of different than what all the boards said online and what everybody said, go out a hundred miles and then come back in and all. But um, we learned a ton and it was, it was exciting and exhausting um, and uh, beautiful all, all at the same time. That sounds really interesting. And I love hearing you say that you were kind of wondering like, oh, goodness, what is this? Even though you do have, you know, experience with your smaller boat in your sort of home waters. But I guess the situation really changes when you get out in the open ocean and, of course, on on a much bigger boat as well. Yeah, we hadn't night sailed uh, or done or done like overnights before. And um, our boat is really simple. We don't have a lot of systems. We don't have toilets, you know, anything. It's just a racer that we can do camping on basically. And we did a month in the San Juan Islands this summer with her uncle, who's our mentor, our sailing mentor. And uh, he helped us a ton. But um, Jared's boat is very luxurious compared to ours. And he has AIS and radar and all these systems that are super helpful, um, but that we weren't super familiar with. And so we, we learned those along the way. And that's one reason we wanted Richard is Jared was pretty new to sailing. And so between the three of us, we're like, oh man, having somebody who has been, he fished the Pacific waters for 25, 30 years. And so just having him know the harbors and the all the different areas was made us feel a lot better. Oh, I bet. It must have been such a relief kind of to have 
that shared responsibility is not on your shoulders anymore with limited experience. You have somebody at least who's very much experienced and, and knows what they're doing. So that's a really interesting take. It's actually something that I've thought about as well for myself, like eventually, like I might need to hire somebody to sail with us for a little while, <laughs> at yeah. least for the first bigger things, because it just makes sense. It does. And one of the things that worked really nicely is uh, Richard made a fourth person. So we had pairs of two on on deck or on duty, on call, uh, whatever you want to call it, for uh, their duration. So we started with the Swedish method. For those of you who are not familiar with that, you are um, sailing with your partner for six hours during the day and then four hours at night and then you switch. So six hours with one pair and then six hours with another pair and then four hours at night. And the idea behind it real quick is that you get a sunset one day and a sunrise the other day, right? Mm -hmm. So your circadian rhythm is supposed to be on a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And we tried that for a few nights, but quickly found out that for the new people, it wasn't working for us. We weren't falling asleep. We in the weren't. Four hours. So because our, you know, our adrenaline's going, we're sailing big waves, bigger waves than we're used to at seven, eight feet. Uh, you don't really calm down once you're below. Even when you try to relax, you know, it's loud. Things are clanking, and so by the time you fall asleep, especially at night, that four-hour shift just doesn't quite do it for you. So we switched to a six-hour shift. So we all would be uh, after every six hours we would switch and that worked better yeah we slept more <laughs> we got a better rhythm we ate mm -hmm. better um so it took some trial and error for us to, to get to get it down mm -hmm. um but uh having the longer period of time allowed us to eat more get a better nap in and kind of see each other a little bit more instead of the only thing being okay bye i'm going downstairs mm -hmm. and trying to sleep mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. and all that yeah exactly oh that sounds really interesting i have often wondered like how do people do this like three hours on three hours off and like how do you fall asleep that quickly but i guess it, you know the more experience you have the you know the, the easier it gets to fall asleep but i can completely understand that like being just too wired to fall asleep yeah richard who lived on his fishing boat you know for or did spent a long time he would just go down and fall asleep and we're like how is he doing this this is crazy <laughs> we were so jealous of the way he could fall he, asleep and he was such a great example for the three of us because he ate when he needed to eat he slept when he needed to sleep and he rested whenever he could yeah. and when you're out on the water for such a long duration that endurance right is really important so I started to pick up on some of his yeah. mannerisms of, okay, Richard's sleeping. Should I be sleeping yeah. too? Instead of taking photos. We were always, we we're photographers. So we were always, there's the next whale. There's the next more content. Yeah, sea lion or whatever. <laughs> Look at this landscape. And so we were always trying to take photos or edit or whatever. And, and after a while, we couldn't even see straight because we weren't resting enough. So Okay, so definitely some lessons learned there for sure. So that's awesome. So I originally found you on or connected with you on Instagram. And one reason I just love uh, your Instagram account is that your posts are actually very insightful. They're not just like the uh, fluffy updates here and there. But like, for example, I, I love one of your posts where you talk a little bit more about the things like how you prepared for this. And you talk about the things that people were telling you like oh wow you're so lucky and you know the oh I wish I could do that and you must have a ton of money and and those kind of comments uh which I assume a lot of people may hear those of uh those people who are already doing it but I don't think that you woke up one day surrounded by good luck and and a ton of money on your bank account so what is the real story behind you being able to do this sort of nomadic sailing lifestyle? That's a great question. I grew up sailing in Puget Sound. My my uncle is a sailing instructor and just an incredible resource for Andrew and I. And so I, I was lucky enough to be sailing at a young age and I fell in love with it and the water. And, you know, when I approached Andrew, when we first started dating, I said, Hey, I like sailing. Would you be interested in coming with me on my lifetime dream of eventually owning a sailboat and, you know, sailing beautiful tropical waters and, um, you know, experiencing life with a little bit less. And he is such a yes person. He's an adventure guy and someone that, uh, you know, challenges the status quo. So he, he said, I'm, I'm fully in. So he, um, during that time, the pandemic had just started and I was laid off 
from my job. And so that shifted the gears for our plans quite a bit because Andrew was still working full time. So I was researching. um, And once we, you know, shared the news with people about our lifestyle transition is what we what we called it. Some of the responses that I shared on Instagram was, wow, you're so brave. You're courageous. I wish I could do that. Some of the, what were some of the other responses? Yeah, they were, you know, shocked. And I think yeah. a lot of people dream of this stuff. So Sarah had dreamed of this for a long time mm-hmm. and had been saving on her own for for quite a while. Uh, I had, just so the audience knows, I had not sailed before Sarah. Okay. I had been on a sailboat like three times. <laughs> I grew up doing all kinds of other water-related activities in the Puget Sound, but sailing was always like this kind of slow thing that, because I, I grew up wakeboarding and fishing and all doing, and I didn't, just didn't know anybody who sailed except for one of my friends growing up. So she talked me into it. And right, right when she first brought this idea up, we were like, Oh yeah. Okay. We're just going to buy a huge boat and start sailing all over uh, the Puget Sound and the San Juans. And real quickly, we're looking at the prices and we're like, Oh gosh, okay, wait, we can't do that. Cause that was just ignorance on my part and just excitement. So her uncle pushed us toward these boats that he used to have in his sailing school. And he found an Olsen 25 in a field in Tacoma and was like, guys, this thing is just sitting there. It just needs a little bit of TLC. And it's in the price point where you won't regret it if you try mm-hmm. it. So he helped us through the process. And we got that boat, got it in the water, and just started sailing as much as we could because mm-hmm. it was the perfect quarantine project for us while COVID was happening. And then that just kept building this idea that, oh, this is great. COVID is continuing. Uh, honestly, COVID is, you know, has pushed us faster um, because we've had these opportunities to just keep pursuing sailing. Um, and then, uh, we just stayed around it. We kept going and, and then we started planning and that's where Mm -hmm. we eventually decided to quit our jobs and start really planning, like, and creating a flip chart. We created a flip chart, uh, that I think really helped guide some of our goals, right? So some of those being, um, you know, what was our budget, what kind of boats we were interested in. Uh, what our, what we wanted our website to look like, just high-level goals for us. Our big whys. Our big yeah. whys were on there, what was important to us, like our five whys. We each wrote down five whys. And then we announced this to our friends and family. And so for someone on the outside looking in, it seems really glamorous, right? Like, oh, they quit their yeah. jobs. <laughs> they must have a lot of money. Yeah. But in reality, we, we saved every penny. We we worked really long hours. We you know researched the heck, and we continued to learn what we what we could about sailing and you know got on as many boats as possible so this glamorous lifestyle that people seem to think well some people have because they're millionaires but that's not us Um, Um, and we never gave up so we were persistent on this goal and now you know we now have attained blue water experience we've you know we can confidently say we've crewed on boats and uh yeah and and people aren't so shocked anymore because we've Mm kind of stuck with it and the way we got here is we sold, just so people know, we're super interested in just living a little smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hate to use the word sustainable, but uh, a sustainable lifestyle, something that's more environmentally friendly. So we, our current life right now is we sold everything out of our apartment that we could. And we live in my family's very small cabin on Whidbey Island, <laughs> uh, rent free for now. Um, and, and that's allowing us to, so that is a, that's a bonus, right? That's a thing that not everybody has is we have this place that we can transition from so we didn't have to buy a liveaboard right away and be on it we have this place that allows us to be our crash pad and we still can sail locally and then do these crewing opportunities that we've been so lucky to have so i think back to your instagram post real quick all these people that we respected and who were more accomplished we thought than us were just telling us how brave we were how courageous we were we wish we could do what you're doing. And we were like, we aren't special in any way, really. And it just takes um, a leap of um, out of your convenience, right? A leap out of your comfort zone that the COVID threw people off so much that I think it just felt like that. That was just another additional discomfort that people thought, oh, that's, that's kind of wild, even though it seemed awesome. So Sarah put that post together and kind of recorded the things that we had heard. And, and we thought, well, geez, here's, we would like to also list all the realities of the planning and effort we have put into this. And we're, it's still ongoing. Like mm-hmm. as the audience now knows, we don't even own that boat yet. And we're working very hard to do it. But 
it's a lot of time and planning. And the biggest thing, though, I think was we quit our jobs and had enough savings to allow us to go fully commit. Otherwise, I don't know if we'd ever be able to get there. Yeah. I love that you are sharing all of this because that is the reality behind it. It's not the, oh, one day I just quit my job and bought a boat and uh, look, here I am. But there's a lot of planning and it sounds like you set a plan, you stuck to it, you made efforts uh, to towards your goal, you quit your jobs or sort of modifying your life and so that it, you will be ready once you find your own boat you're good to go for that. So I love that approach. But you referenced a little bit about your whys. And I'm always curious to hear why other people uh, besides myself are interested in this lifestyle. So what is the thing uh, that is pushing you out to the sea and away from the, the land life? We both have written down five whys. Uh, my five whys are relationships freedom, travel, learn, and creativity. Mine are very similar. Um, mm -hmm. I think we both wanted, like I had been reaching, researching vans and all mm -hmm. these other ways for alternative lifestyle and nothing quite felt right. So alternative lifestyle that really allows us, we had been doing photography and other mm -hmm. creative things for a while on the side and we wanted to try and give more time to the creativity. Mm. Um, we wanted to travel. We both love to travel. Both really love to travel. Um, and the sailboat is a cool way to pull into different ports and see stuff and, and during COVID do it a little more safely. Mm -hmm. um, a big one for me is, well, for the both of us, yeah. is being more purposeful with our travel. The sailboat life is... Um, a lot more eco-friendly versus if you fly in a plane or in a car. You're we still yourself. do those. Don't get us yeah. wrong, but yeah, we're, you're propelling yourself by wind, and that is a very, very powerful thing. And you know, we're very, you know, environmentally conscious. We we try to conserve as much as possible, and part of this minimalist lifestyle is being more aware of the environment and showcasing, you know, the problems that are happening on our earth, and it's. Our actions of living with less is, um, I think, um, parallel to the lifestyle we want to live on a boat. And I, I think people get, um, they see that example with how we live. And so, and then freedom, you know, we, yeah. we were feeling the tensions of politics and um, societal expectations of like owning a home, which of course every article right now is about how hard it is to do that and so those things are still circling us and part of our lives but uh the boat is a floating home if you do it right that allows you to go anywhere and um really give ourselves a chance to disconnect and and connect into a new world and already just on this trip we went down the coast we've met a ton of people doing the same thing excited for us wanting to stay connected and the networking has been something we didn't expect. And now we know people all over the world that if we're sailing there, we could probably visit and see. So yeah, creativity, freedom, more mm -hmm. environmentally thoughtful life um, and COVID possible mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, were some of the things that, that drove us. Wow, that sounds like you described my situation almost exactly so similar, like really into minimalist lifestyle. I looked into tiny houses, but they're kind of, illegal-ish in Canada and um, I don't really want to settle down just yet but I also don't want to buy a house because who in, can buy a house anymore <laughs> like we've seen in, in the news as well like it's uh, it's not as easy as it once was so and I thought about van life I was like oh van life in Europe that'd be really cool but then you start looking into it and well the campgrounds close for the winter it's not actually that easy and then it's like okay and for the longest time, I didn't want to do, or I was hesitant about the sailboat life because I have a dog. And eventually I was just like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, there's a ton of people out there doing that with a dog. And now you have a dog as well. So this is, uh, I'm so excited to see you guys get sailing with your puppy. And <laughs> so I can follow your learnings there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two, week, two weeks in and we already have her going potty on a, on a AstroTurf mat to get her ready for these <laughs> adventure. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, she's learning. <laughs> she's learning. And learning really quick. Yeah. And I think I'd like to think that she's teaching us too. And much like Sarah, you know, convinced me to do the sailing stuff. Not she didn't have to do a lot of convincing, but no. <laughs> she convinced me that the dog was possible. I just thought it would take too many freedoms away. But the majority of the boats we were with down the west coast 
had dogs and we're like, oh, and they're comfortable and they're fairly big. There was a boxer, there was like a cattle dog, they were doing their thing and they were mm -hmm. fine. So um, we've always wanted a dog and the fact that we could possibly do the sailboat and a dog just felt like, man, why not have as much love in our life as possible during this crazy time? Exactly. We'll, we'll just give it a shot. She brings so, so much joy. And yeah. part of the, the sail down too is, you know, I talked to, talk to me about your dog situation and what do they, how do they adapt and what were some of the things that you tried and just having those community, like those, the back and forth communication between these couples and Andrew and I was so helpful and it really eased my worry of dogs and long-term you know, cruising situations and, you know, their comfortability and their safety. So it, it seems to work quite well. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing all of that happen <laughs> once you continue sailing. As Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, but so you essentially, you kind of set out to get into this lifestyle, but you wanted to learn more about it first. So you've learned on your own uh, smaller boat, and now you've learned also on your friend's boat. And, you know, you've had a little bit of experience there now with Blue Water Sailing. You got some miles under your belt. So have you been able to identify any of those learnings or lessons there yet? Like wh what have been some of the takeaways? Have there been any yet? Oh, yeah, many. So we have one thing we didn't do is take any formal classes. So I know a lot of people think about that. And I, I've, I'm sure it's wonderful. Uh, we again, so we had some things that are lucky. Mm -hmm. Her, she calls her uncle. He's a family friend, but yes. Uncle Bob um, is, <laughs> uh, is a, a master sailor. He does rigging in Everett, Washington. And uh, so we could lean on him. And he basically helped us get going on everything. And then we had a few other friends. We could at least FaceTime when we were out and we're like, how, what, how you're, where does this go? And how we did that a couple work, times. The travel yeah. work. <laughs> um, but, uh, so we did have that, but, um, I mean, the big things we've learned is by going small and cheap for our first boat, we gave ourselves a lot more time to explore and, uh, it felt much more low risk, right? As far as all the other things that come with a boat, insurance, paying for mortgage, all that is easier when it's smaller. We had a trailer that came with it, so we, we were able to trailer it to the ramp ourselves, all this stuff. And so uh, that just, by going smaller earlier, it, we slowed down. We learned our boat has zero systems, basically. Zero. So Absolutely. we know how fast we're going sometimes, and we can see our depth when we wear polarized glasses because our depth reader is broken. So, um, you know, and other than that though, we don't have any working GPS or with just our phone. So mm -hmm. we really learned at a basic level mm -hmm. and that helped us a ton. So we slowed down. We didn't jump into it too fast. One of the things my uncle uh, emphasized was not relying on those systems as much. Read what your Windex is saying, the little instrument on top of your mast and look at the water. What is it telling you? And I think without having those reliable, amazing systems that we've seen on Jared's boat, we were really able to like instinctually build some of these um, nuances that we otherwise wouldn't have had if we had like a bigger boat. Yeah. Uh, so that was a huge benefit for owning ILR, our little 25 foot yeah. boat. And like Andrew mentioned, low risk. Yeah, that was so a big part. We reduced our risk at the beginning, which felt good. That, that, that was nice. Like at the worst, the boat sinks and we each lose 4,000 because we split the boat, you know. So, and then we also just started visiting marinas as much as possible. So I think one thing we did is we just had no shame in setting up 
broker meetings and we we would act as if we could afford a boat and we went and we talked to the person we got on the boat we uh, I'm 6'3", so it's like we 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 had to learn like what I could stand in and what size uh and then Sarah you know if she had to pull a big winch if she could so we we just didn't know what it felt like to stand on a 42 foot boat or a 38 foot boat so we you know being lucky again living in a boat heavy area we got on a lot of boats and learned that way so what do they look like? What do they feel like? We asked a lot of questions. Yeah. Talk to me about this layout. What are the benefits of this layout? How does this head work? What's the, you know, all these questions that you don't quite understand. The, the, every boat is so different, especially different, yeah. a cruiser or a blue water boat. So asking these questions up front, and we've made wonderful connections with with brokers and uh, you know, salesmen and yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. they've become mentors, actually. They, Some of them, we yeah. didn't buy anything, but they loved our story, and, and now they're willing to answer our questions. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we got, again, I think, lucky. There's some serendipity with meeting Jared. We were just walking docks in Seattle and met him, and he had this um, plan of getting to the Caribbean, and he needed some people to sail with and try his boat out with. So, that, But, it, you know, luck is made a lot of times. We were constantly walking docks. We were sailing our little boat into marinas and staying there and then talking to all the neighbors and um, just trying to immerse in the in the lifestyle as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Because one thing, again, Bob, uh, our mentor, taught us is you, you receive different advice from everybody. They're all super passionate and they believe their experience is like the experience. So we've learned to take it all and then do our own research and, and try and like actually go and see for ourselves what, what feels good for us. Yeah, exactly. I love that you mentioned that luck part because, uh, you know, it could easily be say like, oh, you guys were just lucky. But uh, somebody recently told me that luck is just when preparation meets opportunity. And I think that's exactly what like you guys were out there walking, walking the docks, checking out boats, and then you end up meeting that. But of course, you needed to be out there in the first place to do do all that. So that's amazing. And now you've uh, you know uh, been on a few different boats. You sailed on your smaller boat with no systems. You sailed on a new, a bigger boat. Was it four to five feet? The Hansa yep. uh, with all the systems. So. I'm wondering, have you taken any takeaways um, for your own boat? Because, of course, you are searching your own boat. So what are some of the things you're looking for now in your own boat? And did that change at all in the last few oh, months? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, big time. I, one of the biggest uh, takeaways was uh, when we initially started looking for a boat, we were thinking, you know, we had a certain size, uh, but that size increased after being on Jared's 45-foot boat because we quickly learned that, you know, we can manage a 45-foot boat. Are we looking at 45 feet? Absolutely no, not. we can't afford 45 we can't foot. Afford, but no. <laughs> we know we could sail it and dock it if we need to now. And we, before, we thought it was just way too Impossible, big. Impossible, right. Uh, certain layouts, uh, like uh, quarter berths and aft cabins, are quite loud if you have a flat bottom boat. Um, you know, what what type of windlass we want and anchors yeah, anchor and, and anchor systems, uh, sails, you know, really paying attention to the rigging. And I learned so much about water makers and solar. So we're, we have a better idea of what we want in our future boat. It's, uh, you know, being able to compromise and find the right boat and quickly, you know, connect with that, with that broker. Yeah. Get it before it goes. Mm -hmm. We, um, we at one point thought maybe we could do like 32, 34 mm -hmm. size. And then we realized my headroom and other things, it may be too small. And, you know, Sarah really enjoys cooking. And so certain galleys were only worked. And so we saw a bunch of different galley layouts and, you know, uh, the bigger bedrooms in the, in the aft are really nice, but how does that sound at night? Like Jared on Jared's boat, it's the master is in the front, it's in the V berth and it's huge and it's nice. But when you're going, it sounds like you are in a plane that's crashing or something <laughs> it's so loud that uh we were like well maybe you know we don't want a forward master and uh you know one head is plenty we don't need to um it would probably just become storage closet and things like that so and certain things to you know if, the, if there's a bench that's long enough for me to nap on and for <laughs> sarah to be able to i think a big one is in the cockpit for us so we're divers and mm -hmm. um we want to be in the water a lot so we in the Northwest, most boats are closed in the back, right? It's not easy access to the water, but we really want something where we can just walk into the water through the back and that limits what we want. And, um, and we still want that. We've always wanted that. And we still are pretty convinced that 
because we want to be in the water every day in the Caribbean, um, mm-hmm. we, we need that easy access. And now to get a dog on and off the dinghy and all these things, uh, a transom that works and is more accessible for us is, is big as well. So those are, I mean, there's so many more, but yeah. uh, we, we feel more confident going to a broker or a seller and, and knowing their big list of things and knowing, looking at them and being like, oh, you know, this solar isn't quite where we want it. We'll have to do this. This water maker is a little old. We'll have to replace these filters, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. So. Oh, for sure. So you're much better prepared for all of those conversations and understanding what you're actually looking at when something is being presented to you. So that makes total sense. Do you already have some boats in mind? What kind of boats you're looking for, like brand wise, or is it just up in the air for now? Yeah, we really like Catalina. Uh, that's a brand that we've been partly looking at. Beneteau. Beneteau. Um, and we, there's some off, like one off brands that her uncle really helps us find. The reason those ones uh, come about for the Caribbean, uh, just, you know, we are really focused on the Caribbean. And then if that goes well, maybe bigger stuff later. But again, those two have that open trance of that, that easy access in the back mm-hmm. and are still livable. Um, Janos, um, some sun odyssey. Yeah. That something like that. And, um, yeah, there's a few One other things that my uncle mentioned that was kind of, you know, insightful was Rather than looking at a specific boat that checks all the boxes, start with designer. So he listed off five designers, uh, Robert Perry, uh, Frere, Frere, uh, uh, Andrews, some of his favorite designers, yeah, that he like knows. He knows He has a cell phone number, by the way. (laughs) So so if you're looking for a boat, especially like Andrew and I, we're starting to look at the the design, the layout of some of these boats, and that's been extremely helpful. Yeah, so that has changed some of our... We can't remember all the names off the top of our head, but that has, Mm -hmm. there's these lower production boats um, that he helps us find and and look at that, you know, you can Google these designers names and then look at their, their designs and know what their intentions were with those designs. And that's, Mm -hmm. That's changed some of our looking as well. Oh, that's really interesting. And uh, I interviewed John Neal for the podcast. I'm not sure if you're familiar with John Neal from Mahina Expeditions. He does a bit of boat consulting and he has a great free ebook available online where he talks a lot about the boat. But he talks, uh, I think in the podcast, maybe he talked about like some Benetos are better than others. And he would go on by the designer where it was built and what year. Like, yes, no, it's the Beneteau 393 from 2001 to 2006. That's great. Yeah, that's exactly. it's hard to narrow those windows it down. It, you know, that really takes some knowledge. And so we're actually getting better mm-hmm. at, at, at knowing that. And you can, and a lot of that comes up on like sale data and, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. once you get some of that insight, you can keep narrowing um, and feel better about like maybe a Beneteau that's made to be a charter and so it doesn't have all the extras versus one that's a little more blue water worthy or, or whatever and we're you know that's just in the last few months where mm-hmm. we're really being able to drill down on, on some of that yeah well I am uh, doubly excited now for your boat shopping because your list is um, very similar to mine so Catalina's are very high on the list also island packets although I don't think I will ever be able to afford one <laughs> Unless I grow really old. And then also certain Benetos. So yeah, it looks like we're, we're looking at the same kind of thing. So this is <laughs> exciting. Because you've talked to a lot of uh, knowledgeable people. So that makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's so much fun to look at the different boats and, and see what's what's available. What could be mine one day. So it's it's exciting. But we've talked a little bit about your lifestyle and how you made it happen. And you referenced that you are photographers, which is the thing that allows you to kind of make a living as you go. But how does that actually look like in practice when you are moving? So obviously you're not like a wedding photographer in Seattle because you're maybe in California or maybe you're in Mexico or maybe you're somewhere else. So how does that look like for photographers on the go? Uh, So I'm a lifestyle photographer and um, landscape photographer. I've been photographing for long time decade Decade, yeah yeah. Uh, and that's something that Andrew and I have in common and uh, we are in the middle of building our website that Mm -hmm. will have a print shop available but Andrew and I uh, sell prints we sell prints we uh, curate our own greeting cards and we sell those Um, so you know we're not making a ton of money on it Mm -hmm. right now we're living off our savings from our actual jobs Sarah worked Mm -hmm. in 
corporate world and learning development. I worked in public education. And um, so we had independently, even before we met, been saving for something. We wanted to travel and do something. So that was nice. We, we had that. And now what's been so great about stepping away from um, those big jobs is we can photograph more, build out our websites, um, use Instagram. Sarah's much better at Instagram than I am. Um, so if anybody wants to go look, definitely check hers out first. But um, it's um, ultimately what we want is a self-sustain a website that has a print shop where people can buy. We don't have to run it all ourselves. Like with these greeting cards, we do all the mailing ourselves, right? So we haven't quite become automated enough yet, but we are working toward that. And then we have a, a, a bunch of other ideas on how we can use uh, photography to at least maybe pay for food and some fuel. Um, it won't pay for everything right now, but um, we're not. We're also very open to jobs and harbors or or little breaks where we come back and do work to make mm-hmm. some extra money mm-hmm. um, because we're getting our, our budget down to the point of we don't. You know, we're we are living at the level we were before in the Seattle area where it took a, a you know pretty good salary just to maintain, and now. We can use some of these creative things, maybe write some local articles, um, you know, do the prints. Uh, what else are we thinking? Uh, website design. Yeah, small website design. Small website design. Um, and and I uh, I take, you know, family photos. Yeah, so that's a good moneymaker for her. Quite, like little mini sessions. And, you know, those add up. You do five in a day or over a weekend. So between the two of us, we've been able to pocket a little bit. A little bit. And, and it's <laughs> yeah. photography is something we love. So being yeah. able to do this full time as freelance uh, creatives has been wonderful. And we're not the first people to do this, clearly. No. So we have a lot of people we can look at on social media and, and be like, oh, hey, there's an idea. There's something we can try. Yeah, they influence me yeah. and, and Andrew. And, and I, connect. And, and we connect and share ideas. And it's it's been great. Yeah, isn't it wonderful that in today's digital age, all this kind of thing, they're possible. Like, it is possible to do all, all of that um, and keep sailing the world and all that. I love the uh, the time that we're living in that these kind of things are possible. Well, we have to say we're jealous of your idea. We, we wish we would have <laughs> came up with it before you did, because what a cool way I, we see your view or your listeners are growing and, you know, but and to have something like this where... You can do this from boat anywhere and connect with people. Congrats to you on having such a cool creative idea as well. Yeah, no, thank you. And and I love the word there, creative, because there is so many different ways to make a living these days. Not that I'm at all making a living from the podcast, but, but, uh, you know, there's so many ways to be creative. And I look forward to seeing... Um, what you come up with, what I come up with, what other people come up with, because it's such a cool thing and, and just a different take on work life. You know, it's not that you need a job anymore. You just need an income. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a great way. Of yeah. It. Yeah. We did our career thing. We both we were at our places for 10 plus years. And yeah, yeah I, I think one of the, this is a bit of a segue, but we didn't want to wait to do this till we were retired, right? That's always kind of been well, I don't. I can't speak for Canadians, but the American way is, you know, you work for 30 years and then you live on your pension and then you can have some fun. We're like, I don't think we're going to be able to do all this travel and pulling up sales and stuff yeah. when we're too old. So um, we want to do it now. We, 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 we we're young and we're healthy. Just take this chance now when we can give it a shot, you know. Yeah, exactly. And And that's okay. So that is a great tip already. Like, don't wait till it's too late or until you're too old to do this. But I did want to pick your brain about uh, any other kind of tips you might have for people who are well in, in the same boat as you, sort of very much preparing for the transition. Although I think you're a little bit ahead since you, I feel like you have a one foot on the boat already. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> would you have any tips to share for anybody who is sort of starting to make these, you know, take the first steps towards the transition and all that? I would say immerse yourself in the sailing community. Get involved in some way, whether it's join a yacht club, join an online forum, um, start uh, maybe signing up for some sailing uh, magazines. Just get, start talking with people. Ask as many questions as you can. That's a great way to learn is by, um, you know, learning from people's mistakes. What have what have they done that maybe you wouldn't? Or being able to have those conversations. Andrew and I have learned 
quite a bit of knowledge with just discussion of other sailors with people who own their own boats and what they wish they would have done if they were in our situation. And, um, you know, that was the, the, the community would be a great place to start. And real quick to Sarah's point, I wasn't even sure I was going to like sailing. So I needed to start small and know that you know, sitting in no wind for a while, I wouldn't lose my mind and uh, um, all the other things that come with it. So for experienced sailors, they might already know that they love it and they can start making these steps. And, and their big thing might be, how do I quit my job? Like that, that step. But for people who just want to make sure they enjoy sailing and want to be on a boat for a long time, you kind of have to, you can just jump on it. Um, I think the famous YouTube, uh, Chasing Bubbles, right? You mm -hmm. can just go for it like Alex and Chasing Bubbles. but um, And that's one way. But it, we, I needed to know I liked it first. So we took our time with, with doing it. And then once I knew, okay, yeah, this is something. Then the big decision of removing ourselves from uh, the job and the apartment and all that stuff was the big end. That one is one we talk about a lot, and that's removing yourself from convenience and comfort, and mm -hmm. that one can be really hard. So yeah, that was tough. Yeah, um, that's that's one that you just kind of have to do. It's like ripping the bandaid. It is. You can't Amazon Prime in the middle of yeah. the <laughs> Pacific Ocean. So yeah. those, it's really being comfortable with the unknown and asking yourself, you know, can I live with less? You know, can can I live without fresh vegetables for a week? And can I, you know, yeah. Am I resourceful enough to fix a, a head if it breaks? And I like to think that a sailboat is a life experience. You learn so many skills, um, electrical, mechanical, and Andrew and I are just now dipping into a lot of those new skills. We have a lot to learn, but it's if you can get a head start and start reading forums and connecting with people and immerse yourself in a community, that's a really great place to start. And these, these two tips are goofy, but they've helped us a lot. Um, we stopped saying if in our planning. Oh, yes, <laughs> we, we only did. allowed each other to say when. when. So when we have a boat, mm -hmm. not if we're going to. So we would correct each other. No. When. Not if. <laughs> it's when. And so that helps us get in a mindset. And then, uh, oh, what was the other one? Getting a community, getting a mentor. Um, oh, the and verbiage that also helped us is. We, we didn't say sabbatical. We didn't say mm -hmm. vacation, trip. We said lifestyle change because we, we in our mindset, we needed to be in it for a few years to really do the what we wanted to do. So even to this day, I think my mom even asked me that this morning, isn't this just a sabbatical or whatever it was she said? And we're like, no, it's, it's, it's a big lifestyle change where we're disconnecting from many of the old things that we had going on. And we... We can always go back to our old jobs, you know, if we need to in our old careers. But for us to immerse, we have to fully immerse in that. So those were a couple small things, mm -hmm. but uh, it helped us for each other to to do the, to say lifestyle change and to say when mm -hmm. um, instead of if. But um, what else? Tips? I think mentor was one of the big ones you talked oh, about. We got lucky with Bob. We but, were yeah. so lucky with my uncle Bob. I mean, he was a constant resource for us. He helped. When we uh, bought our little 25-foot racing sailboat, yeah, he, helped, he helped step the mast. He checked all the rigging for us. Uh, for a, you know, a, a novice sailor, that would cost thousands. So if you can find even digitally find digitally, somebody you can a talk mentor, to, yeah. or how can I you know do this project without paying a fortune because everything on a boat is super expensive. So yeah. if you can find anyone that you can lean on that is knowledgeable about sailing it's a big it makes a big difference and then the other one that helps us a lot is crewing crewing, crewing. getting on other people's boats helps us a ton mm -hmm. so yeah for sure those are such great tips and i love that you say when not if because i think that's a good compromise like because i hear a lot like set a date set a date for your thing but if you can't quite set the date yet if it's a situation is a little you know dependent on when you save the money or whatever something like that doing that when we go sailing instead of if i think that's a that's a really great take on that and also that getting rid of um or getting used to the idea of living without some of the comforts and i feel like my way of staying connected to the sailing plan of ours is through this podcast but for my partner Adam I feel like it's more like if he gets excited about 
you know, thinking about sailing. And his first response is, let's get rid of stuff. <laughs> I was like, what are we going to get rid of today? I was like, oh, gosh, not, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, not ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely, there's a lot of different approaches. So thank you for, for sharing yours. But obviously you have a lot of cool things happening. Uh, boat shopping to come, more sailing to come. You have a new puppy who is absolutely adorable. So please do tell us where can we go and follow your adventure? Oh, you could follow us uh, on Instagram. That's where Andrew and I are on what doing left. mostly. Doing mostly. Yeah. Uh, his Instagram is Twin Lagoon Media, and my Instagram is Sarah underscore Fingerson. And um, we're building out other little things, but uh, Instagram to stay connected for mm -hmm. now. And um, we would love to hear from people once this is out, especially that'll be fun. And uh, um, we just so appreciate talking to you and, and hearing the connection. And, and it just reminds us of us being out on these trips we've done. And we will say the boating community I mean, there are the big, huge yachts and things out there, but for the most part, the boating community has been so welcoming and so fun. Helpful. Yeah. So it just don't be afraid of it. It's 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 a place where people mm -hmm. really can support you and 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 help you along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there you go. I hope you found this episode helpful and useful. I certainly loved hearing from Sarah and Andrew in this stage of their sailing journey, and I cannot wait to see what they get up to. Their Instagram accounts are just beautiful, so do check them out, and you'll find gorgeous Mexican scenery and great photos of their puppy Coho, who is just so, so adorable. Next week, it's time to chat with someone who decided that retirement was the start of a circumnavigation and you will hear wonderful stories from a very adventurous sailor. And finally, I'd also like to say a big warm thank you to my first Patreons. I am so very thankful that you have decided to join and support the show. If you want to check out how to support the show and get some extra content on Patreon, click on the link in the description or go to patreon.com forward slash liverboard sailing podcast. That's all for now. I'll see you next week. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.